Hello, it is Sunday, February 7th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And today, going to be mostly, probably all, a look back at UFC Vegas 18. And some of the more interesting and memorable things that I took away uh, might be a little different than yours. Interesting takeaways, but... We'll see what we get here. So we're going to start off at the opening fight. Or not. Okay. Start off with the opening fight. O'Day Osborne. Which it was a quick fight. And it was a memorable fight. And it was a a very nice knockout. Uh, Jerome Rivera made a mistake in throwing that kick. And uh, threw a head kick. It did not land. Osborne caught it on his shoulder. And when Rivera failed to bring his foot back to the ground immediately, Osborne fired off a, a straight left, I believe, and just stopped the fight right there. was a, a, a great, great, great opening uh, performance from Osborne. And Rivera, had he been able to land that kick, maybe a different outcome. Had he been able to get his foot to the ground, Maybe a different outcome, but Osborne really, really impressed. He went out there. I think he had had a long time off before his before this fight. So good comeback fight, good comeback performance, and a real good knockout from O'Day Osborne. Next fight I want to talk about is Timur Valiev and Martin Day. Valiev was a a huge favorite, and it was justified. Uh, but what? I I enjoyed his fight. He looked great. Um, he ran up four takedowns on six attempts and had 11 minutes of control time. Um, he was impressive. He dominated the fight from start to finish. He landed 55 strikes, significant strikes to days eight. Overall strikes were 115 from Valiev, and that represents the amount of time that they spent on the mat, and they landed 24 total strikes. What I did not, I shouldn't say that, what I liked but will not go over well with the UFC, I, I'm, I'm afraid, is that even though Valiev ran up that huge amount of control time on the ground and had four takedowns, he did not go for a finish, really. not No submission attempts. And it kind of reminds me, and someone said this on Twitter when I when I mentioned how the fight played out, and I and I I'm a, I apologize, but I don't remember who it was. Was that had Valley have had a performance like this on a Dana White contender series card before this season, perhaps because White pretty much signed everyone that won this this past season, he might not have have gotten signed by the UFC because. White has always stressed that someone needs to go for the finish during these Dana White Contender Series cards. And to not go for the finish tells White that maybe you're not uh, someone who the UFC wants to see. And so now Valiev, who looked fantastic but did not go for a finish, is kind of in that position where 
he's probably not going to get the best matchups and he's probably going to get slow rolled up the rankings until he plays ball or fights the way the UFC wants him to fight. We've seen this play out many times in the UFC. Someone who maybe not be the most exciting fighter but racks up a lot of wins but does so in a non-spectacular fashion gets a little bit of a slow roll. And even sometimes when someone does rack up a bunch of wins in a spectacular fashion, they get a little bit of a slow roll. And so Valiev might be in that position. I I wouldn't do that to him, but I enjoy watching what he did. Um, that is not what the UFC wants to see. They put entertainment over wins a lot of the time, most of the time. And if you are not an entertaining fighter in the eyes of the UFC, in the eyes of the matchmakers, in the eyes of Dana White, well, you pay the price by not moving up the rankings very quickly or getting buried on the preliminary cards or just not getting fights m m as often as you should. Um, I think this is something that Valiev has to take into account just because of how things go in the UFC because he has the talent to move up the rankings. But he's not going to do so if he doesn't get good matchups and good placement on cards. He's just going to get overlooked. And if the matchmakers don't think he's going to deliver a, an exciting fight, they are going to overlook him. It's it's a fact. So hopefully Valiev takes that into account a little bit. I could care, couldn't care less if he does or not because, I like, like I said, I like watching him fight. I'm just saying this is how the UFC works. Uh, so... Hopefully he takes that into account a little bit and, you know, goes for some, some submissions when he gets on the mat. Um, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he should go away from his wrestling based uh, fighting style, but I do think he should go for some submissions, even if they're, you know, half-hearted submissions, at least make it look like you're trying for him, which he did not do in this fight. He dominated it, but it, not the kind of fight the UFC says, wants, wants to see. Do I want to see it? Hell yeah, I, I liked every minute of this fight for Valiev, but I don't do the matchmaking. I don't do the rankings. I'm just somebody who likes a, a fighter that did what Valiev did. So we'll see what happens in his next fight, see who he gets booked against, see if anything changes in his style, and from there we'll be able to better assess where he's going, at least in the eyes of the UFC. Molly McCann had a rough night. Uh, and it ended with a loss for her. And then there was some question about why she left her gloves in the octagon. Turns out that Saturday was her father's birthday, and she had hoped to get a win for him. Um, he had died a few years ago, and that is why she left her gloves in the cage. Um, and she mentioned that during, uh, I guess, after the fight, but still during the broadcast. I don't know if it was mentioned in the broadcast, Here's her tweet has, she mentions, uh, she tags uh, Cormier and Cruz, but I don't remember if they mentioned it or not, but they might have. If they didn't, that was a big miss from the producers and the broadcasters, but so McCann plans on fighting on. This was her second straight loss, but uh, she is a, a pretty big fan favorite and I think she'll get another chance. And so that was why she left the 
gloves in the cage. And if the UFC broadcasters missed out on that, that was an error on their part. Um, so a nice tribute, even though she didn't get the win, a nice tribute from McCann to her, her father. I have here. First, the Justin Janes, Devontae Smith. What I remember most about this fight, besides the eye, which I will get to in a minute, was when I think Janes caught the leg of Smith from a kick. I'm not, uh, I don't 100% remember of how he got it, but there was a moment, and it wasn't a long moment, when uh, Janes had Smith's leg in the air, and Smith just fired off a bunch of strikes a bunch of punches while his foot was in the air. And it was it was a pretty memorable moment uh, because it's not something you see that often. And I was was really impressed with the output at that one minute where he just let let fly. And um, James, James let go. Got it, and Smith got his foot back on the ground and kept right on fighting. Um, very good performance from Smith. The fight ended because, uh, I'm looking at it right here on my screen, Jane's left eye was swollen shut. Now, I know he was upset that the fight was stopped, but this was clearly the the right thing to do to to stop the fight at that point. Uh, His eye was, it was swollen shut, and it was only going to get worse. And you can't let a fighter compete who cannot see and you can't let a fighter compete when you don't know what the injury is. It could have been a broken orbital. or uh, orbital. It could have been, I don't know, it could have been something else. But you worry about a broken orbital when you see something like that. And you also worry about the sight. So I'm not, I don't think it's a long-term thing. But you can't let someone take a punch on that, on that when they can't see. And so James was compromised. There's no question that fight should have been stopped. It was a good stoppage by the doctor. And uh, I anyone that said that that shouldn't have been stopped probably is a sadist. Uh, Danilo Marquez and Mike Rodriguez. Mar- Marquez looked very good. It was no, I mean, from the get-go, it was obvious he wanted to get that fight to the ground and try for a submission. And he got that. Um, so I want to see Marquez fight again. I don't know. His striking wasn't good. It wasn't great. It was serviceable. His stance was a little awkward because he's obviously he's not a striker first. So I don't know how you match him up to see what he can do overall. Maybe you get him against somebody who's a good overall fighter, not a great at one thing. Kind of like, I don't know, kind of like he, but he's very good at the grappling. So I don't know. Um, just to get a gauge on where he stands overall. But Rodriguez had the better striking style, but he had nothing for Marquez on the mat, and and that got the the win for for Marquez. And Cruz was uh, seemed very impressed with the way he worked that choke that finished the fight, and how he switched up his hands and uh, choked the uh, choked Rodriguez out, and so. Going to be very interested to see what kind of matchup he gets in his next outing. This was a very good performance, but I'm not 100% sold on him because I did not see impressive striking. But if he can, if he can consistently get the fight to the mat, you know you don't need to be an impressive striker, and that'll come along. It'll get better with time as long as you uh, you practice that. And I don't see 
him not trying to get better at that, but good performance. Uh, as expected, the Benal Darius and Diego Fiara fight was the fight of the night. It was a that the first 90 seconds of that fight packed in more action than any fight total fight before it it was good striking good good grappling good scramble battle slowed down a bit after the first 90 seconds but then it picked back up and it stayed pretty entertaining pretty high level throughout the rest of the fight Darius got the win uh, it was an impressive win and after the fight he tore into the matchmakers and he said I got something that to say something, this is really bothering me. And this was his post-fight interview with Cormier. Diego should have fought a top five guy. I should have fought a top five guy. We have tough win streaks. We fought everybody. We never say no to anybody. But instead of giving us a top five guy, Diego, I still think he deserves a top 10 guy. I feel a little disrespectful, disrespected if I was Diego. I know I feel disrespected. And this was right on the mark because Darius is now at a six-fight winning streak. I think... Uh, Diego had a six or a five going into this fight. And this was a rematch that no one really asked for. Uh, Darius had won the first mat matchup by decision a few years ago. So it wasn't, was it an unnecessary matchup? Yeah, I agree. Both these guys should have got higher ranked opponents. But this goes back to, you know, kind of what I said about Valiev. If you're not someone with a big mouth or someone who goes for finishes all the time, this is the situation you find yourself in, slowly crawling up the rankings, and that's what happened with these two guys. So so now Dariush is on a six-fight winning streak, I believe, and he voiced his opinion. Now he apologized afterwards, which I don't think he should have. I understand why he did, because the UFC is uh, vindictive and would have probably, I don't know, might have held his words against him and might not have given him what he wanted, a, a higher-ranked opponent. And they still might not, because he said that during the broadcast. Cormier, being the good soldier, shut that down as soon as he could, which I thought was kind of, again, as Darius said, disrespectful. But Cormier is a UFC guy, so don't expect him to speak up when it comes to poor matchmaking and disrespecting the fighters and not giving them fights to move them up the rankings. Because... He knows who signs his checks, and he knows the UFC has done him favors. The UFC did not do Darius any favors, has not done Darius any favors, and so he spoke up. Probably not going to pay off for him, but I hope it does. Um, he should get a top a top ranked opponent next. He's on a lengthy winning streak, and he's really been a been uh, in some very entertaining fights the, the last few bouts, and he's changed up. So had uh, Fiera. They're not just grapplers anymore. They're better. They picked up their striking and, and they've moved up. And I agree that uh, both these guys should still get top ten ranked opponents. Will they? I don't know. But Darius definitely should get a higher ranked opponent in his next outing. Um, he did say one reason that you know many fighters won't match up against him is because he's high risk, low reward, and that's not his fault. That's kind of the UFC's fault. If you don't promote and you don't market the guy, well, then, you know, what do you want him to do? He's just going out there and winning, and just because he doesn't have a big mouth doesn't mean he shouldn't get marketed. But the UFC, um, the the fighters who get the rewards are the fighters with the big mouths and who say the dumb things. 
and Dariush is not one of those guys. So he spoke up, spoke his mind. It was the right thing to do. Probably won't get him any rewards. Um, get him some respect from some fans and some media members, I'm sure, because he said what he felt, and I think what he felt was right. But will it pay off? I'm not sure. But at least Dariush spoke up and let him know you know, before his apology, which again, should not have needed to do, but he knows he's been around long enough to know that the UFC is going to hold a grudge. So he did what he had to do, but not what he should have done. But good performance from Darius, 100% deserves a top seven, top five ranked opponent in his next bout. Don't think he'll get it, but he 100% deserves it. Um... Manel Cap, or however we're pronouncing his name, a former Ryzen fighter, blew a huge opportunity against Alexander Pantejo on Saturday. He could have showed out, but instead he just he just showed off, and he lost because Pantejo was just more active than him. So he learned, I think he'll learn a lesson from this. You can't wait for the perfect strike. You can't just show off. You need to be active, and you need to do something. And while his striking might have been better, he wasn't nearly as active as Pantejo, and he paid the price. I I think he'll get a talking to after this fight, and he should. You know, you can do that showing off stuff, but you also need to know, and you also need to perform, and. He didn't perform, and that's why he lost. So chalk it up to a learning experience, and maybe you may be inexperienced in the UFC, but I expect a much better performance from him in his next fight. So we'll see where that goes. He might end up with a tougher opponent just because the UFC probably didn't like what they saw from him because he didn't really go after things and again that's one of the uh, things that the that Dana White and the UFC matchmakers look for they want someone who's active and aggressive and Cap definitely was not that Clay Guido he looked good Michael Johnson I think might be at the end of his UFC run um, he's probably someone who the UFC thinks they pay too much for what they get out of him he's a good fighter I don't know if he's ever really lived up to his potential and I don't know why that is it happens with some athletes I I think he's better than he's shown in the octagon and I think maybe a change of scenery will 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 pay dividends for him and he's still not very he's not ancient in MMA age so maybe he goes somewhere else performs well and gets back in the UFC mix I don't know but um, I think he's two and five or two and seven in his last bouts, and he's just—I um, just think he needs a change of scenery. So we'll see what happens there. Clay Guida looked really good. I was very, very surprised at how good Guida looked. Good movement, good striking. Might have been because of his opponent, but mo- I think a lot of it, most of it, was just Clay Guida being Clay Guida. He had a weird call out saying that he wanted someone not ranked in his next fight. I don't think he gets that. He's been around too long. 
Again, the UFC is going to look at him as a quote-unquote high earner, and they're not going to give him a matchup about a, with a young up-and-comer. They might give him a matchup with a young fighter who they want to get over, but he's not going to be an inexperienced fighter by any means. So we'll see what happens with Clay Guida. The co-main event, Corey Sanhagen, if there was any questions, if he deserved the neck, the title shot um, between the Petter Jan and Aljamain Sterling bout, he answered those questions. He just stiffened Frankie Edgar with that knee. It was beautifully violent and answered any questions you had about about Sanhagen. He deserves that shot. Anything less is a, a disrespectful and a joke in my mind. Um, Frankie Edgar, I, I don't know what you what you do with him. He's kind of in in that Guida Johnson group, but levels, levels, levels above that because of his accomplishments and because of the numbers of number of title fights he's had. And that knockout was brutal. And they're going to probably give him I don't the three month suspension. Which, if I was in Frankie Edgar's camp, and he still wants to fight, I would say he takes a year off. He's been knocked out now three times, um, I think recently, and he needs to take the time off. Not not so much for his to develop his skill set because we know Frankie Edgar's got a high level skill set, but to recover from these knockouts. Um, and if he takes that time off, and still wants to compete, the UFC is going to match him up with another top-level opponent. And I don't know if Edgar, at his age, is going to be able to to come back and fight it. I mean, I'm, he, he'll give it the effort. 100% he'll give it the effort because that's just what Frankie Edgar does. But is he still at that top level and able to compete with these top-level fighters I'm not so sure. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. That is what happens in this sport. It catches up to everyone at some point. And and that's something that every fighter has to deal with. And Frankie Edgar, just because of how he's achieved so much in the sport, is going to be facing top three, top five competition. And I don't know if... That's wise. So you have fighters like Donald Cerrone and Diego Sanchez. They're going to fight each other, but they're not. They're and they're nearing the end of their careers as well. But there's a, if we're being honest, there's a world of difference between the guys that Frankie Edgar's going to fight and Cerrone and Sanchez fighting against the, each other. It just is, and I just don't see the UFC giving Frankie Edgar a matchup against. A veteran that's not in the top five. I just don't see it just because of his name, his achievements, and the money he makes. And this is something that Sean Sheehan um, spoke about on his Severe MMA podcast on Sunday. And I'm going to bring it up as well because I thought he made some good points. He spoke about why it's kind of taboo that MMA media and fans uh can't speak up about when a fighter should retire or if a fighter should retire. We always, you know, give these statements about, you know, I, I, I can't tell a fighter when to retire, but maybe we should. And that was kind of the point uh, of Sheehan. And maybe his coaches should, and maybe his teammates should, and maybe his manager should, and maybe they should 
those folks that are making making money off of someone like Frankie Edgar should take their eyes off that money and look more at Frankie Edgar's future. And I agree. And maybe I'm maybe this is something that the media needs to speak up about a little more. Maybe a fighter needs to hear that from someone. And I know they're going to probably discount it, but I think when it comes to someone like Frankie Edgar, when it comes to someone like Diego Sanchez, when it comes to someone like Donald Cerrone, when we say that these fighters should retire, I don't think, I mean, I'll speak for myself here. I, I don't think it comes from a, a place of, uh, of meanness at all. It comes from a place of concern. When we see as outsiders that maybe they can't compete against the level of fighters that they are being booked against in the UFC, I'm speaking, speaking about particularly, maybe, you know, we can offer our opinion on this. I mean, we don't, you don't have to be an asshole about it. And I don't think Sheehan was. I think he was just being honest and the same thing that I'm doing. I think, I think it might be wise for Edgar to retire because of where he is at and what he's going to see in the future as far as opponents from the USC. He is not someone who's going to get lower level opponents. They're going to match him against guys that are on the, uh, on the come up who are going to contend for a title. He is going to be, if he keeps fighting, he's going to be considered the top level gatekeeper. I mean, if you get by Frankie Edgar, you're probably in the top three. And, that's a world of difference between a, a, being a top three gatekeeper and a gatekeeper is not an insult in this in this manner in this discussion in any way. So, so being the guy that holds holds people up outside of the top three is different from being someone who holds somebody from outside the top fifteen. Top fifteen, you're going to face f fighters who the UFC doesn't, the matchmakers don't know everything about. They might have some concerns. Someone like Frankie Edgar is going to face someone who they know has potential to possibly be a champion. And with that, that's a dangerous spot to be in. That's a dangerous, you can get really hurt as we saw on Saturday night. So the concern for Frankie Edgar's future is what we are talking about when we tell him, to, when we say maybe he should retire. Not his, not now, but we're looking forward. Frank Edgar's a young man. He has a lot of things left to do in his life, and he, he can do them. But if he keeps getting knocked out, these things take time off your life. We know that. Um, if he gets released from the UFC, if he asks for his release from the UFC, maybe he can compete in another organization that doesn't have the top-level competition that Frank Edgar's going to get in the UFC. I'd be okay with that, at least for a couple fights, to see how he's doing. But someone like Edgar, who's just going to fight the top three, top five, I don't know if it's wise for someone like that to continue. And, and so that's, I think, where we have to say, you know, maybe these are the guys that need to look at either stepping away or stepping down in competition. But that is not going to happen in the UFC with someone like Frankie Edgar. It's just not. His choices are step down or keep fighting in the top level. And we saw what happened when he fights the top level at this time. No knock on Frankie Edgar. One of the best fighters the UFC has ever seen. But time catches up and I think it's caught up. And I think Edgar needs to look around his coaches and camp 
and manager need to look around and see if they are willing to subject Frankie Edgar to the possibility of what happened Saturday night again. Because, like I said, those are the fighters Frankie Edgar is going to face. He's facing just killers from now on out. No doubt about it. So we'll see what happens. But again, I, I don't think it's out of line to, to say that fighters should retire. The fighters will take it hard. But again, if it comes from a area of concern, which I 100% believe this does, from me and from Sean, I won't speak for Sean Sheehan, but I think that's what he was you know, referencing. I think that's okay to do. But just put it in those terms. You don't got to be an asshole about it. And I think that's what a lot of fighters get mad at was when the media and the fans just say, this guy should retire. And then don't give any reason and don't say, hey, we are concerned about your future. And if they don't take it, well, okay, but I know that I'm coming from a, a place of concern. Now, people might not believe that, but I, I am honestly, that's, that's where I am coming from. I think I've made that clear enough in speaking up about, I think I made that clear enough through the time on this podcast of speaking up about fighter health and safety. And that is my primary concern when it comes to these things, health and safety now and the future. So we'll see what, what the cards hold for Frankie Edgar. Um, the main event, Volkov had a great plan. Overeem didn't have a plan B. Um, and once Volkov broke through that guard and started breaking up, uh, to be blunt, Overeem's face, and he had no answer for it, that fight was over. So good good win for Volkov. Um, Overeem, I think his... I mean, it's not two, two, two more wins. He's back in the mix if he chooses to fight on. So I don't think he's out of the, these things, but I also don't think he's exactly in. Uh, I think Volkov will get a tough matchup in his next outing, um, and we'll see where that goes. He said his goal is to be the champion, so I think the UFC gives him a real tough matchup in his next fight, and we'll see what 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 happens there. Jason Herzog did an excellent job in stopping this fight when it should have been stopped. I was very impressed with that, and... Um, he could have let it go on. It wouldn't have made a difference to Volkov. That fight was going to end. It could have made a difference to Overeem since his nose, he said his nose was already broken. So it could have been more damage. He was in an okay place to defend himself, but he was not going to recover enough to win the fight. He's probably just going to take more damage. And Herzog was probably just going to stop it when that damage ran, ran up. So I think the stoppage was at the correct time. Some people will say it was early, but again, those people are probably sadists. Always better to stop early, and I don't think this was an early stop, but if you think it was, so what? It's always better to stop and err on the side of caution than let someone take um, abuse that you know they're not going to be able to defend properly against. So Jason Herzog did a great job. He might be the top referee in MMA right now. And one reason I think that is because you don't often hear criticism of Jason Herzog, which the less you hear about a referee, it means the better they're doing since they are their job is to literally not be noticed. And more often than not, Jason Herzog is not noticed, and that's what makes a good referee. So all in all, um, pretty good card. Some memorable performances. 
and some fighters that have some work to do. But I was impressed by it. Uh, and I mean, most impressive performance was obviously Sandhagen and be almost criminal if he does not get the next title shot, especially if they give it to someone like Dillashaw who coming back from cheating. So um, Sandhagen deserves that 100%. So good night of fights and uh, we'll see what next week holds. And I will be back tomorrow. Until then, everyone stay safe. Thank you.